CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Right now in Options Action, stocks finish in the red to close out a rough week on Wall Street. The major average is riding a three-day losing streak into the weekend. Ahead, we're breaking down the trades in rates, retail, casinos, and China. Plus, the shipping blues. Shares of FedEx grounded this year, down over 30%. So will earnings help the stock take flight? We'll build a strategy ahead of next week's results. And later, a call to action on Call of Duty. The bullish bets one of our traders is making as Activision waits to find out the fate of its deal with Microsoft. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action Live from the Nasdaq market site on the desk tonight. Carter Worth, Mike Cohen, joining us here in studio, the one and only Tim Seymour. We begin with a monster week in the options market. Today was an expiration day for more than $2.5 trillion worth of trades, and the activity on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday was off the charts, according to our traders. Take a look at some of the notable stock names with outsized activity this week. Tesla, NVIDIA, Warner Brothers Discovery, Melco, Macy's, Coinbase, and more. A host of ETFs also seeing big action. The iShares Russell Small Caps, Large Cap China, Overall Emerging Markets, and Investment Grade Corporate Bonds. So let's drill down first on Macy's. Tomorrow is Super Saturday, and what could be a make-or-break weekend for the retailer and retailers in general who are swimming in inventory? Super Saturday is tomorrow after a promising fall. It's been a long December, though. So, Mike, what are you seeing there? Yeah, so, I mean, as you would expect, I mean, on a week, week like this one, we did see a lot of bearish activity in several places, but there were a couple spots where people were making really large bullish bets in the retail space, Macy's was one of these names. We saw a buyer of 10,000 of the January 23, 25 call spreads. Now the company's gonna be reporting after that expiration, but of course we get a lot of retail sales data ahead of that. I think what's going on here is that, you know, there is some optimism, some people hoping for a little bit of a retail bounce here. This is a way that somebody is able to risk considerably less than going out and buying a million shares of stock, which is how much this trade represents to make a bullish bet. Yeah. Carter, what did the chart say to you? I mean, if, if there ever were a gambling chip, I would say it that way, Macy's is it. Uh, this is a stock that basically is the same price it was right now in 1995, but hardly unch. Consider the fact that it was $4 on the COVID low. It hit 38 in January this year. Here it is at 20, meaning this is beta. This is um, speculation. Uh, some people think it'll go out of business, but the truth is we've worked into a wedge. You can see it there. I would uh, do nothing here and then wait for a resolution and then go with the move, which is to say you break out above that line, get long, you break out below, get short. All right. Now let's get to the emerging market ETF, the EEM, the promise of China loosening COVID restrictions now being met with with an explosion of cases, empty city streets and a hoarding of medicine. Check out this chart after trending higher earlier in the third quarter. The action turned lower this week. So, Carter, how do the technicals hold up here? Well, it's a huge ricochet, but all that really happened, if you were to look at the EM, is we went right to the downtrend line, in effect, for the past two years. Now, remember, of course, emerging markets have underperformed the S&P since 2010, almost straight down. But the rally, here and now rally, you can see the arrow, simply returns us to a difficult level. I'm a seller. 
As an emerging markets guy for a lot of my career, I ran a long short EM hedge fund. I've, the, the, the things that Congress pointed out are, are really undisputable. This was outperforming the S&P for you know, eight years by 250% up to 2010. Since then, it's continued to make lower lows against the S&P. It's rallied 12% off that bottom to the top of the channel. What are the things that you should be thinking, though, could make this different? They include a dollar, which rallied 28% from May uh, of 21 into September, October-ish. Um, is, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to go straight down, although it has gone down 9%. The dollar is now your friend. I think China, yes, China is your friend. I think we're getting upgrades on China GDP growth. I'm saying China, even going from 4% to 4.5% is a boom for emerging markets. Remember, China is more important for EM than the U.S. economy is. I actually like this trade. I've been playing EM from the long side for the last three weeks to a month, and I'm going to continue to stay long. All right, now let's get to Melco Resorts, a gaming name with a lot of action this week. The stock has doubled over the last three months. It's another play on gaming in Macau and Europe. So, Mike, what are traders saying about this one? Yeah, this is one of the single stocks that also saw, you know, some really outsized trading activity. We saw big purchases of the Jan 12 calls. Now, you'll take a look at that chart. You'll notice we're getting to a difficult level. This thing's up more than 30 percent off of those lows. You know, I'm kind of with Tim here. I think that some of this reopening trade, this is certainly going to be one of the beneficiaries of that. This is a way that somebody can risk less than purchasing the stock. But notice the volatility priced into these things. 90 cents doesn't sound like a lot for an options contract. But remember, you're dealing with a $12 stock. So that is a considerable amount of the current stock price. But given the kinds of moves we're seeing, I can understand why this institutional trader is playing it to the long side in this risk mitigated way. Tim, you own this one. I was selling some of those calls last week. So, uh, you know, looking out to January, looking at the move on the stock that's that's almost tripled. Um, it, I, I think it's going to continue to go higher, but I think we're going to see some volatility into the new year. And, and frankly, um, this is just a little bit of risk management and yield enhancement. I, I have half the position committed to upside calls. So, they're, again, they're, they're covered calls. But I do think you have a case here where you're going to continue to see the stock move higher as we get into next year. It's been a great run. And, of course, this is a week where we saw a Fed decision and a huge focus on interest rates. Uh, Mike, you noted a big trade in the investment-grade corporate bond ETF. That's the LQD. What's the call here? Yeah, so, you know, we've obviously had a big bounce off that bottom. LQD was close to about 100 bucks, closed today around 109 One of the big trades we saw was a call diagonal, the January 112, March 111 call diagonal. They bought those March 111 calls, sold the January 112. Basically, I think this is a trader who is inclined to reduce their risk on the long side, probably thinks that LQD's run is coming close to topping out for the course of the next month or so, and then is risking a relatively small amount to continue to hold a long position thereafter, but is probably serving as a bit of a substitute for a long LQD position, given the move we've had. Yeah, Carter? Well, that's right. Given the move we've had, does one hedge or reduce exposure? And by all accounts, I think that's the smart play. If you look at a chart here, you'll see the very definition of a rally to a difficult level. Well-defined lows from which you break, if you return to the level from which you broke, you are at a difficult level. Trim, reduce, take measures. All right. Still to come. Some key names reporting results next week. So how should you play these stocks? We're laying out the trades next. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Not a ton of earnings last week as we head into the holidays, but a couple of notable names that could give us an early read on the consumer ahead of the holidays. They are on tap. We're talking about Nike and FedEx. Um, so, Mikey, let's start off. Uh, Mikey. Ni- I like that. Mike, I, I, let's start I, off I, with the Mikey. option setup ahead of Nike. I try to combine the two, Mikey, on yeah, Nike. Mikey <laughs> likes it. Yeah, Mikey likes it. Mikey does own it, actually. We <laughs> own Nike in the fund, just the uh, equity as it happens. I think. There's probably a better way to play this one going into earnings using options, actually, but that fund doesn't actually allow us to use options in that one. Look, this thing is down more than 36% on the year so far, and it is cheaper, although not entirely cheap. You know, they are definitely still posting some decent top line growth, but I will say that right now the street's looking for probably 82 to 8.4% net in- income margins. That is definitely towards the lower end of the range. In fact, the average is about 200 basis points higher over the course of the last 10 years or so. So what I was thinking here to make a bullish bet on a stock that's not terribly cheap, but is reasonably priced if they manage to achieve the 27% year-on-year EPS growth that they're expecting for full year 2023 is to buy a call spread. I was looking at the January 105, 120 call spread. That is a slightly in-the-money call spread given where the stock closed. Something important to take a look at is how much the options market is expecting this one to move around next week. And it's quite a lot, about 8%, well above the 5% that the company has historically averaged. Carter, what does the chart look like? Well, it's a tough space. If you look at Adidas and Puma and Nike, they've been under real pressure. I mean, consider the fact that Nike, from its peak, was down 54%. The S&P down only 27 But here's the thing. As distinct from Puma and Adidas, Nike is turning. The chart we have here, I think it's very clear. We have a clear move above a downtrend, and it doesn't matter what you call it a head and shoulders. That's what a bottom looks like. So you have a bad group, and you have one that's starting to separate from that group, Nike versus the others. Tim, you've owned this. You got some Pumas on today, Mel? No, I got boots. No. It's raining boots. You got boots. Oh, no, that's wet, smart. Nasty. Smart move. I, I like it from the long side, too. And, and so Carter's gave you the chart setup. Uh, this is a company that I think has burnt, worked through significant inventory issues. You're going to hear about next week the FX impact on the company, and that's going to be eight to 900 basis points uh, in terms of uh, the growth on the top line. But in constant currency basis, you're getting 18 to 20 percent. You're getting North America continuing to grow. And I think the worst uh, in terms of the margin pressure is coming through the this quarter. That's it. Margin acceleration as you get into next year. Four to five years out, these guys are delivering 20 to 25 billion in free cash flow they're going to be giving back to investors. How about China, though? Just the impact of China on this quarter. Well, I I think we've priced in and and Nike is so interesting because it's given us so many reads into China at different points in the last few years, especially early COVID as we got through it. And I think we're going to continue to see those headlines. But um, I think Nike right now, North America is a lot more important. They're getting a lot of growth and they had a lot of growth around the World Cup in in EMEA and in Latin America. So uh, can't say it's not important. North America more important. Yeah. Mike, last word here. Yeah, I mean, this is a situation, and I think he really hit on it there when he was talking about those currency headwinds. I mean, even if we saw constant currency increases of about 15 percent, I mean, that just indicates that there remains good demand for product. And from my perspective, that of a little bit of discounting, they probably should be able to work off their inventory issues if those are the kinds of numbers we get. 
All right, Mike, let's move on to FedEx here. Even with just the potential for a repeat of last quarter's disastrous results, mm. you're hedging here, huh? I am. This is another name we own and have owned, unfortunately. Uh, probably the worst single performing stock that we held in our portfolio all year. It is tempting when you see stocks fall like this to think that you can run out and pick them up cheap. And if you own the stock, as we do, and you're going into earnings hoping for something good, I think it might also make some sense to plan for something bad. The company is having some real operational challenges in Europe, and they are the ones that are telling us how it is. And it isn't that good. So despite the fact that if you're just taking a look at you know historical numbers, maybe it looks cheap, they are facing material headwinds. I think hedging makes some sense here. And what is kind of remarkable to me is that given the huge move that we saw off the last earnings, the 7% implied move that the options have for the stock going into earnings next week is actually not that big. So I would actually, if you own the stock, you could consider purchasing a put spread. I was looking out to January, a $20 wide put spread, 165, 145. That would cost us a little over four bucks. Gives you meaningful downside protection. And if you are not in the stock and you're inclined to lean on the short side, uh, this is a way to do it and risk a relatively small amount of the stock price in the process. All right, so Carter, the chart is so bad, it's what? So bad is bad. Bad. Uh, All right. So here's the, here's the thing. <laughs> A marquee name like Nike, of course, remarkably the exact same decline from its peak. It dropped 54% identical to Nike, but this is where their paths diverge. FedEx is not bottoming, it is not basing and curing and healing. And that uh, quarterly drop, uh, epic kind of thing, and we almost rallied back to the kill zone, the point from which it plunged. I just would not fool with this. Ooh, the kill, kill zone. zone. That sounds that mm. sounds scary. I, I but I, I have to agree. I also think downward revisions are coming for a company that's been material materially just uh, you know misguided and hasn't been able to equate their business. There's a lot of things that are broken. I think Freight uh, and Express uh, are more broken. I think Ground's been better. I, I just think it, this is a stock also that tends to lead the S&P uh, multiple times. Look back over the last five years. It gave you a lot of leadership on the way down in 2008 when the Fed started moving up on rates. Mm -hmm. It started coming out well ahead of the S&P as we were coming out of COVID when the economy truly was reaccelerating. Um, I don't see why you're going to see this also get out of its own way next year in terms of the cyclical dynamics. But analysts will be downgrading this stock because I think the, the, the downward revisions are coming. And I think it's a couple multiples, excuse me, a couple quarters away before you trust this company again. So, Mike, you have a position in FedEx, which you have, and you're using this option strategy to hedge. Why not just sell the position outright if it's in like kill zone and so bad it's bad and all these negative things? So, you know, uh, our investment process doesn't involve only me. Uh, I, I am sort of the head investment guy, but I'm not the only one in our process. Uh, we have a quant team. We have other people who are involved in our security selection process. I can tell you there have been some heated conversations about this stock in particular and probably a few sleepless nights as well. But you know what? If you're hedged, you can actually yeah. potentially have it both ways if the options prices are amenable. True. Up next, we are plugging into Activision as the game makers deal with Microsoft remains pause. And our next guest says this one could uh, be about to level up. More options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. The fate of Microsoft's $68.7 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard is hanging in limbo. The major merger now in the hands of the FTC, which lodged a formal antitrust complaint last week. But regulatory churn doesn't mean your profits have to wait. Here to deliver today's call sheet is Kelly Intelligence CEO Kevin Kelly. So, Kevin, how are you playing this one into the new year? 
Well, Melakaliki Maka, Melissa, if you like a stock like Microsoft does with Activision, it's got to be based off the fundamentals. And we saw the most recent earnings from Activision was a beat. And Activision even said that their most recent Call of Duty is the fastest selling of that franchise. And if we go back uh, 15 years, if you remember when Jim transferred to the Stanford office in in uh, the, the show The Office, right, they were playing Call of Duty then. So it's a it's a great franchise that's going to build and also come out with another edition next year. You also have net cash on the balance sheet to the tune of about $9, which is expected to grow to about $13 next year. And also think about this. There's a catalyst in front of us of Microsoft potentially purchasing this stock for about $95 a share. And they can do that because there's a weak FTC merger complaint where the FTC is basically saying, hey, wait, we don't think this merger should go through because Sony, which owns 70% of the hardware market, could be hurt by Microsoft Xbox having exclusivity to the Call of Duty franchise. Well, Microsoft shot back and said, listen, Sony has about 286 titles that are exclusive to them. Xbox only has 59. By making it 60, how is that going to hurt Sony? As well as, we'll let Sony have the Call of Duty franchise. So you also have that upside catalyst there. And then we have a strong product pipeline where Diablo 4 is going to come out next year. So the stock has a lot of catalysts behind it. It's fundamentally sound. And so we think there's a great opportunity here to do a covered call strategy where investors can go out and purchase the stock today at a significant discount to the Microsoft offer, but also to the operating fundamentals where it's worth about 80 to hundred dollars a share. So you can go out, buy the stock today, and then also sell the January 27 call for, for uh, about $2.40, and your all-in will be about $73.75, so you can actually collect a bunch of options premium while it plays out in the courts with the FTC and the merger, which is expected to close middle of next year. Quick question, Kevin. The thing that you said to me at the beginning was Merry Christmas in Hawaiian? Yes, yes. It's the wise way Hawaii? to say Merry I Christmas mean, to the, you. Are you in Hawaii or... Are you Hawaiian? No, no. About I mean, I'm, warm place. I'm in Denver, but it's sunny out today, really sunny in Denver, and this trade is very sunny, so it all kind of packages ah. in one. Okay. First, there's a first for everything, including Merry Christmas in Hawaiian on Options Action. Uh, Carter, <laughs> your, your thoughts on, on all of this? Sure. Uh, first of all, there's nothing better than selling covered calls, of course. But the street is all over the place. Their target's at 95 other targets at 82, big sell-side firms. So there's a big debate. But there is a chart, and uh, I think, as is so often the case, it's almost all technical. And here's the thing. I didn't manipulate those lines. I didn't make them fit. They literally are touching like magnets. We have a stock that continues to respond as it ascends to the uptrend line, and since its peak in 2021, continues to respond on the way down. We are into the decision moment. I think it actually breaks out to the upside. Mike? Yeah, so you know when you're using a covered call strategy, one of the things I typically like to see is that the implied volatility of the option you're selling is well above what is realized recently. And that, of course, is the case here. But there's a reason for that. And that's one of the things that Kevin was alluding to. This is a deal name. And the thing is that if we get some transparency on the outcome of that deal, whether or not it's going to be shut down or it's going to happen, it could move very sharply to the upside or potentially sharply to the downside. 
And that is one of the situations where I might favor actually owning at the money calls and selling something closer to the deal price, which is All 95 right. bucks. Uh, Kevin Kelly, uh, aloha out there. Up next, <laughs> we've got tweets in the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, what's your take on Airbnb March 80 puts? Carter. Well, it's one of the worst charts in the market. And uh, wow. I think you will double your money, if not better than that. It, it's an absolute mess. Hovering ominously at its prior low of June. Remember, the stock IPO'd exactly two years ago at 68. First print, it doubled. And now, effectively, there's no memory, no support below. Uh, you can crash here. Wow. That was direct. Our next tweet uh, says, I recently purchased a risk reversal where I bought a roughly at the money call and partially financed it with a 25 delta put, both expiring in February. Do you have any rules on how to manage the trade and parameters on when to close this? Uh, Mike, what's your take? Yeah, I cover the put when I'm collecting less than 1% of the stock price per month. And as far as the call is concerned, I would adjust that or roll it up when you get to 60 delta or greater. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I didn't know how to say Merry Christmas in Hawaiian. I don't know any Hawaiian, but Tim apparently lived in Hawaii, so told me yeah. that that's what it meant. Otherwise, that would have been. Yeah, yeah. Thank goodness for Tim, who joined us here tonight after fast. So uh, appreciate it for many reasons. Um, time now for the final call. You, you, the more you know, you know that rainbow. Tim Seymour. Well, mahalo. Um, I, you know, I, ultimately, this is this is a case to me in the market. I, I think there are a lot of these companies that I've been selling upside calls in, especially blue chip companies that I don't want to trade through. Uh, but after a big run, and I know we've pulled back, but this is a strategy I'm doing on sell and fading strength. Carter Braxton Worth. Want to be sure to own gold and silver and gold miners in any portfolio. All right, Mike Coe. Yeah, I like uh, vertical call spreads and some of the retail names, including also discretionary like Nike. And I would hedge my bets in FedEx also with a vertical spread. Oh, put spread in this case, though. All right. That does it for us here on Options Action. We are back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.